Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. We're glad you didn't skip out on this week's podcast. Today the crew will be talking about skipping church. How important is going to church? Do we have to become a faithful member? And how long should our church's membership classes be? Let's listen in to see what the gang has to say. Well, I'm here as normal with my friends Carl and Amy, and we were just talking about if you wanted to join our club, what would you have to go through? And that led into a discussion of church membership and how you become a member of a church. Now, I think at Carl's church at Cornerstone, um, they just send an email, maybe an emoji, something like that. And if you look at it, you become a member. Amy's church, I'm not so sure, but I will tell you what we do at Covenant Presbyterian Church. You ready for this? Hold on to your socks. 11 weeks. 11 weeks. That's a cult. That's that's brainwashing, man. How how much a week? Like an um, hour? uh, Three hours. Three hours? No, I'm just kidding. It's um, it's an hour uh, for for 11 Sundays in a row. Are people allowed to see their loved ones during this 11 weeks? No, they are are isolated. Um, Sweat lodge. They're they're drugged. (laughs) And um, that we repeat over and over again that they will be assimilated. But 11, 11 weeks, and um, you know we're we're a we're a PCA church. We're one of those nominally Presbyterian PCA churches, and yet at Carl's thoroughly angry bearded man OPC church, I think what you guys take like ten minutes before a Sunday school class to, <laughs> to bring people in. Is that what it is? It's a, it's a one day course at, oh. our, at our church. And, and but, when you say one day, though, you're probably being kind of a ge- kind of yeah. Generous. It's like a morning, probably oh, okay. four, four or five hours. But of course, the difference is my my people are consistently taught Presbyterianism week by week by week <laughs> from the pulpit. So we have less to compensate for when it I comes see. to membership classes. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. You set yourself up. For that. I, yeah, I understand <laughs> that. I understand that. Amy, um, what did you have to do? Uh, Ours to, to um, at the OPC church that I'm at mm-hmm. is a two day, <clears throat> like a weekend deal. Uh-huh. And Francis, our pastor, whoever's doing it for that time, invites him to his house for dinner for the first class. Oh. So that's kind of nice. Nice, nice. Now, but if you're like me and are uncomfortable with the whole idea of people being in your house, yeah, that's we know. just not, yeah. Know. yeah. yeah. So, um, but, but before we get into kind of some of the details about what ought to go into the makeup of a, of a membership class, we, we do hope to once again say the reason why there is a membership class and should be a membership class is because membership is really important. Yeah. It matters. Yeah, the New Testament doesn't have the, the term membership anywhere. But if you read the Acts of the Apostles, if you look at the letters of Paul, he, they clearly assume mm-hmm. people formally connected in fellowships right. under the, uh, the guidance, the pastoral care of a local eldership, um, people who are committed specifically to each other and are distinguished by their commitment to each other from, from the world around them. Right. And in Presbyterianism, in the OPC, in the PCA, the way we, we try to, to get at that, the way we try to, to formalize that is through the concept of membership of the, the local right. church body. I mean, you think about what's written about church discipline, for instance, in First Corinthians chapter 5. Um, that's really inconceivable unless there is some sort of a formalized relationship. Whether or not it looked exactly yeah. the way we do church membership today or not is immaterial. The fact is there was a recognized um, formal relationship yeah. so that you could remove somebody from it yeah. and bring somebody back into it. 
Yeah, you can only be formally excluded if you first of all formally belong. Right. Very clear in Korea. Right. Some, some people clear. are really apprehensive about joining a church. And, and right. I mean, I've spoken with, you know, some people I love who are regular attenders in churches in my life who said, I will never become a mm-hmm. member. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've met folks like that over the years, and, and it's almost always built upon and Carl alluded to this earlier, it's almost always built upon a really bad hermeneutic, which is yeah. the, the whole word concept fallacy. Mm. Since since the Bible doesn't say church member, mm-hmm. therefore it's unbiblical to have church right. membership, well, which, which is fundamentally You do flawed. realize you're in a covenantal community, right? right? Yeah, right. I mean, it just the, the word of what we even are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times when you ask these folks what the church is— all they're able to give you is kind of a vague dif- definition of the universal church. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't understand the church right. the as a local, exactly yeah. as yeah. a local body mm-hmm. assembled together, devoted to the word, devoted to one another, and that's that's sad. And like I said, it, it's built almost entirely on a bad hermeneutic. But there's probably some there's some personal junk I'm sure that goes right. into that yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean it needs to be remembered. And James Bannerman makes this point very well in his Church of Christ. Uh, which, by the way, is an excellent book. It uh, is, especially the introduction. On the the introduction is worth the price <laughs> alone, right. of the new the new edition. Right. Uh, James Bannerman makes the point that the Bible knows nothing of you know, individual Christians in terms right. of Lone Ranger Christian existing by themselves. Right. Uh, the Bible only knows of Christians who belong to formal fellowships. Right. And it's, I have to be careful not to be misunderstood here, but there's a sense in which if you're not formally a member of a formal church body, then you are not actually publicly professing Christian faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, be careful. I'm not saying you're not a Christian there, but I'm right. saying you are not publicly a Christian right. there because you're not identified with the body of Christ. Exactly. And that's why, for example, those who are not formally members of church should not be allowed to take communion mm-hmm. in churches because one of the ways you publicly profess faith is by publicly identifying yourself in a formal way with a gathered body of believers. Yeah, one of the ways that we fence the table when we do the Lord's Supper is that um, we say, which is not unusual, you need to be a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we also say you need to be a member of a church. Yeah. Um, and that, in that, good standing. Yeah, and that has vexed some people who, who don't understand that, and we have to sort of explain yeah. that a part of their public profession of faith in Christ, a part of their credible profession, is that they have joined with a church. Yeah. And um, so so when we, when we do a, a membership class at our church, we're hopefully establishing from the very beginning. Yeah, why are classes important? That, yep, that this is important. I, I why remember don't they growing just sign up? up. I remember growing up, and Amy, you grew up probably in a, I think, in a similar kind of uh, church milieu as I did. But, you know, there were no membership classes. You signed the blue card. You walked the aisle, signed the blue card, checked, you know, <laughs> transferring our membership from the last Southern Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And, and you became a member that morning during the public invitation time after filling out the blue card. Yeah. That's, how, that's how you became a member. And never really church. knowing... Um like membership classes are a great way to be introduced to the church leadership, the elders, mm-hmm. and and um, to begin relationships with right, them. Right. And I know in, in the in the Presbyterian Church, um, like there's an there's an elder who's assigned to my family, mm-hmm. you know, to care for us, you know. Right. And that's just so nice to know. I know when I joined as an eight year old in my Baptist church um, and, and got baptized. I didn't know any sure. anyone but my pastor in the rubber boots. Right, right. The, the rubber boots walking <laughs> down into that basin of water. Mystery yeah. solved. Where exactly. does he wear in there? Exactly. So, um, so 
we, we find uh, church membership classes to be very important. It establishes from the very beginning to the people who are prospective members that we take this seriously, particularly if you have a membership class that lasts 11 weeks. <laughs> um, at, at Cornerstone, they kind of say, well, we kind of like church membership, but it's no big deal because you just show up one morning and then it's over. But... That's we don't said. have a blue card, by the way. <laughs> That's that card might be green. <laughs> the mad woman's here, and the she's green a member card. of Cornerstone. I'm wondering if uh, <laughs> we're going to pounce on her later. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk, first of all, about what are the components that go into a good church membership class? What are we trying to accomplish? Mm. What are the things, what, what, what's kind of the <clears throat> bare minimum that yeah. we want people to know before they take those membership vows? Obviously, Absolute obedience to the pastor, <laughs> I think, is the, is the first priority. That, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in our membership class, we have a giant picture of me hanging in the back <laughs> Good. Uh, with a I subliminal flash of and whoever obey, that, yeah. obey behind it. And whoever does is going on. isn't frightened off at that point, they're immediately <laughs> welcomed into membership. Whoever isn't frightened off at so that point rare. is carried away by the men in white coats, actually. <laughs> if it weren't uh, for that picture, Cornerstone would have like 6,000 people by now. <laughs> No, I think, uh, <laughs> as a serious point, first of all, the, the way we frame the membership class at Cornerstone is around the five vows of membership in the mm-hmm. OPC. You know, you're coming to, to the OPC to become a member. You have to publicly uh, uh, profess mm-hmm. or agree to five questions, right. take these solemn vows before the congregation that deal with doctrinal issues, uh, issues of personal obedience, and issues of uh, of church authority Mm -hmm. so our membership class is framed around those kind of concerns obviously at the heart of it is what is the gospel what does it mean to be a christian it's amazing how many good christian folk often don't have a great grasp of the gospel Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's puzzling even people who come from churches where the teaching is good it's almost as if some people switch off when they when they hear the preaching so i think it's always good to make sure that the membership class covers the basics doctrinally never assume that people have absorbed everything that's coming to them from from the pulpit even your own pulpit Mm -hmm. so first and foremost i think uh, a characteristic of a good membership class is to make sure that the the theological confession Mm -hmm. of the church uh, and that the gospel at the center of that is well taught to the people who wish to take the vows and right. come into membership. Yeah. Well, here's a question. Um, so let's say someone is coming to your church and, and they're a Baptist, you know, mm, and, and they hold right. to those convictions. Can they still join your church mm-hmm. as a Baptist? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we would. I think I'd, I've always taken the view when I've talked to mm. such people of encourage them to try to find a church where they could really wholeheartedly right. agree with, with, with pretty much everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. That's not to judge them as Baptists at all, but if a Baptist joins Cornerstone Presbyterian Church, for example, they're never going to be eligible for the eldership or the diaconate. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, most congregants right. ultimately don't become elders or deacons, so that's not a big thing. But I, I wouldn't want, I think it's better to be in a church where everything that takes place is not putting pressure on your conscience mm-hmm. in a way that it might do in a Presbyterian church. Having said that, if there's no good gospel preaching Baptist church in the neighborhood and and somebody who definitely wants to commit to Cornerstone, that's not a problem. I would say to them at that point that they need to respect Mm -hmm. the confessional position of Cornerstone. 
we're a Presbyterian church and we're a Peter Baptist church. So what I don't want is them coming in and protesting our Presbyterian right. and Peter Baptist distinctives. I don't want them trying to sway people Convert against Peter Baptism in the coffee afterwards. If somebody asks them their opinion, clearly they have to give an honest answer. Right. Right. But I don't want proactive proselytizing because actually I would see that as a contradiction of the, One of membership, the membership vows that says the peace and yeah, of the church. they've got yeah. to be protect the peace and purity of the church and submit to the local right. eldership, not in a, an abject way, but in a way that respects mm-hmm. right. the nature of the local mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. as defined by its confessional documents. Right. Part of our membership class is, is a section on the sacraments. Here's our understanding of the Lord's Supper. Here's our understanding of baptism. And we have seen Baptists become paedo-baptists through our membership class mm-hmm. and through, uh, I mean, I've, we, we just brought a family into membership. <clears throat> they have six young children, and we just did family baptism. Now, the mom and dad had, were baptized believers being raised in, in, a, in a Southern Baptist church, but we baptized all six of their kids because after two years in our church, they became thoroughly convinced mm-hmm. of uh, the, the Reformed uh, covenantal concept of, of baptism. And um, it was a wonderful morning. But after the membership class and then after a class they took where we, uh, just a Sunday school class where we taught covenant theology, they became convinced. Um, and we've had others in that sense as well. But yeah, we, we welcome in uh, Baptists, again, so long as they're faithful to their uh, to their vows to protect the peace and purity of the church. Um, periodically, I'll get questions from some of our Baptist members. Okay, now help me understand this again, and I'm always happy to sit down with them. What, what I wouldn't tolerate is if I found out they're, you know, standing up in a Sunday school class and talking about how wrong it is, to, you know, that would obviously, because it would just be simply in violation of their vows. So we, you know, we teach on the sacraments. On Carl's point earlier, our, our membership class, we go through what covenant theology is because, you know, you're going to hear about, you're going to hear about this concept of the covenant in the preaching of our church because we see it as a very important interpretive motif for scripture. So what are the covenants? Uh, the doctrines of grace, obviously, uh, we cover, and the sacraments. Um, and obviously, of course, what is the gospel itself and mm-hmm. what's our doctrine of Scripture? We cover those, those things. What, uh, to what extent, Todd, would you cover practical issues, issues of the practical Christian life? Because, you know, again, as a Presbyterian church, we're committed to the Westminster Confession. Right. In America, of course, we subscribe as office bearers not only to the Confession, right. but also to the catechisms. Right. A lot of practical stuff in the, the commentary on the mm-hmm. Decalogue, in the, yeah. uh, in the catechisms. To what extent do you talk about Christian behavior yeah. in membership classes? Yeah, there's a little bit of that, not a lot. I think we, we touch on briefly... You know, probably a few hot-button issues out there if people might not know exactly. So, you know, we'll hit on certain issues of sexual ethics, almost like a, you know, if, if please know where we are on some of these issues of Christian living and ethics that are hot buttons. But, but we don't spend a lot of time, uh, we don't do anything comprehensive on, um, on, on Christian obedience. Obviously, it's in there, but um, could probably be more. We, we could do 13 you know, I weeks. I think about that with um, later. Like, let's say you joined the church 5, 10, 15 years mm-hmm. ago. You know, so you learn these things in your membership mm-hmm. class. But um, wouldn't it be good to, to have some kind of continuations that you could mm-hmm. offer where you're practically applying some mm-hmm. of these doctrines? Because, you know, you got them down in your notes somewhere right. from the class you took. But mm-hmm. just to be able to apply, okay, well, what is this doctrine of man mean for me living mm-hmm. my life of faith and obedience yeah one of the things that we More really practical level exactly one of the things that we really encourage people to do therefore is we really try to leverage our educational hour where we have Sunday school classes. we really try to leverage it for that purpose mm-hmm. and we tell people you know if you don't come to these 
good classes that we offer, you know, you're missing something that we would love for you to have, which is so much of what you just mentioned. It's, it's, it, it, so many of those courses revolve around um, living out um, in obedience to the Christian life. Yeah, but, like, there's just so many ways you could combine it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yep. God's sovereignty is great to teach, but how about also, yep. okay, now that you've been taught that doctrine, how does that relate to, to my anxieties mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in and, my life? And this is, part of, this is part of what we do in the membership class, which is if, if you're going to be a member, then participation is expected from you. That doesn't mean we're going around checking your attendance at every single, you know, we don't want to become legalists on this thing. But we do tell people, if you're, if you're going to join the church, you need to be a part of the fellowship of the church. Avail yourself as much as possible to the things that we offer to disciple you and, and to grow you. Right. We try to make that clear. And I'm sure as in both of y'all's churches as well, if, if they don't attend for a particular period of time, if they are absented, it becomes an issue of church discipline at that point. Now, again, you can come to our church and not get kicked out if you don't attend Sunday school, but, but, but we, we try to make it clear when they're coming through the membership process that we very much have a plan for their life, you know. Um, God loves you and has a plan exactly, for your life. Exactly, exactly. What about this? What about this? What about Presbyterian polity? Do you teach anything about Presbyterian polity in your uh, – or, or if, if you're one of our uh, Baptist friends that are listening, um, you know, congregational polity. But is there a place for polity in a membership class? Yeah, I think so, because it's important that people know exactly what they're joining. And to Presbyterians, the, the, uh, the fact that the church has an existence beyond its local mm-hmm. instantiation in the congregation is important. Right. And I think it's important for congregants to understand that their pastors connect and their elders connect to a wider network. Mm-hmm. Apart from anything else, I think it, that's important for them to understand because one of the key I think one of the key strengths of Presbyterianism is the system of higher courts that it has. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the checks on the power of the local session, of course, is the presbytery. Right. And on the presbytery is the General Assembly. And it's important, to put it in rather crude, almost secular terms, it's important for people to know what their rights are. Right. Uh, right. And as pastor, if I start lording it over my people and they don't like it, there are people outside the congregation to whom they can turn right, right. who will help them in this situation, mm-hmm. the presbytery and the, the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the other side of the coin, they need to know that if they make life miserable for their pastor, right. he has people exactly. to whom he can turn. Exactly. That the, the local congregation is not sovereign in a way that it is in congregationalism. Right. And that's a big shock to people because, listen, the PCA over the last 10, 15 years has seen, you know, saw a large influx of Baptists into, the, Baptists into their churches. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that you had a lot of Southern Baptists out there looking for a church that preached the Bible mm-hmm. and the only one they could find. We've got a good number in our church. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. And so, so introducing them to Presbyterian polity is very important mm-hmm. for all of those reasons because it's, it's quite mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Carl, you raising the issue of, of membership rights immediately brought to mind, you know, we as we're recording this right now, you know, there's there's things within the evangelical world out there, some some rather sensitive cases about um, pastors bullying and uh, overhand, uh, you know, heavy-handed leadership and that sort of thing. You know, technically Presbyterianism, when 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 actually practiced, mm-hmm. works against that, mitigates against that that tendency, mm-hmm. and church members ought to know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that they can be able to say, we're, you know, we have Presbyterian out on our sign, but it doesn't seem we're practicing yeah. it. Yeah. What about uh, another question? You know, college students and transitory people. 
hey, I'm only going to be in, in town for, take my daughter for 12 months, example. 18 months. <laughs> should I join you? Should I formally join right. your church or should right. you just hang so around? She's a member of New yeah. Hope, OPC. Yeah. Like, what if she were to go to JMU right. and start going to your church, yeah. Todd, yeah. for like four years? What does right. she do? Yeah. And, and so we, we have right around 50,000 college students in the community where, where we live and where our church is. And so we have a lot of college students that come to our church. And you know, some of them are going to be there, like you said, you know, for, for four years, except for the summers. And I would encourage that student to go through the membership process and transfer their membership, if, because they're going to be there for the vast majority of time for those four years. Um, if they're coming in and they're only going to be there a semester or a, or, or a year, and they really don't want to go through an 11-week class, I understand that. And we have a mechanism for that to where they can be involved and actually help in and be engaged in certain ministries Mm -hmm. without going through the full 11-week class. They they have a meeting with a couple members of our session. We talk about their profession of faith in Christ and some of those basic, basically a membership interview. It's a kind of associate, almost an associate. Almost like an associate membership, exactly. Almost like being a double agent. Yep, Mm -hmm. yep. And so so that's the counsel I would give. If if, if you know you're going to be here for at least two years, join the church. Mm -hmm. Join the church. Go through the process. If if it's going to be just a year, I understand um, a, a, a different kind of a setup, and, and we do we do provide that. And, and part of it is is because we want those. One of the things we tell our university students is, when you come, we want you to be involved in the life of the church. We want you to help out in children's ministry. We want you to help out in youth ministry. We want you to serve in these areas, and a lot of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they and do have to go through like an interview process. It seems like that age, process. you know. If they're seeking wise counsel and shepherding, I mean, it's just such uh-huh. a transitory time in their life that yep. you know yep. it seems like they need extra care. Exactly, and what it does for them when they choose as an 18 or 19 or 20 year old to go through a deliberate membership process is it really helps them own that decision. Um, they're not just kind mm-hmm. of oozing into a church; they're making some deliberate decisions, which they're going to have to do later in life as well in regard to membership of church. Yeah, and they so, might be more asking more questions, right. the why questions. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yep. And so we encourage that. But here's another thing that I, I think is important and, and may well be neglected by some of those. I think it's important to impart church history. Obviously, yes. I'm going to say that as a church historian, but I think it's important <laughs> to impart church history, but not just general church history. You know, the church never exists in general. Mm-hmm. The church has only ever existed as specific institutions, specific denominations, specific congregations. And the particular history of a denomination or a congregation often shapes the ethos of that congregation, can shape uh, some of the things that are big issues or not big issues, can shape the language, can shape the way people think. And I think being aware of, you know, in a Presbyterian context, being aware of denominational history Mm -hmm. is important. Not because we want to be triumphalist and say our history makes us so much more important and distinctive from everybody else, but the acknowledgement that our history is our history Mm -hmm. and it gives our denomination and our church a particular flavor that particularly if you're coming from outside Presbyterianism or outside uh, a denomination, Uh, and joining a new one, it's helpful to know that kind of thing. And we even, even people transferring into our congregation from other OPC congregations, we ask them to take the membership classes. First of all, because if everybody has to do it, it saves us having to make embarrassing calls that may get us into trouble when somebody says, well, why did I have to do it? And that person didn't have to do it. And secondly, because our congregation is distinctive, 
and we want to talk about our denominational history and also how we see our congregation as fitting into that overall history. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important, not because every Christian needs to know about the history of Cornerstone Presbyterian right. Church, but every member of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church will be helped right. by knowing about the history of Cornerstone yep. Presbyterian Church and the history of yep. the Orthodox Presbyterian yep. Church. Couldn't agree more. And we do, in our membership class, we have a, a section on Presbyterian history, PCA history, and the history of Covenant Presbyterian Church for all of those reasons. So do you um, interview people individually then after yes. going through the class? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how does the interview go then? Yeah. What kind so of questions are you asking? I, what are you looking for? I really, yeah, I really like the process. After they've taken the, the, the course, then if they say we want to join the church, then uh, we set up an interview with two members of the session. And uh, we have a whole series of questions ranging from, and, and we have them submit these things in writing and then we have a, 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 oh, a wow. in-person interview yeah yeah we're very do you, thorough do you have them submit things and your members submit things in writing? well they just they just send an emoji emoji we send yeah. an emoji and they if text, we send a smiley emoji if they get a smiley face back yeah. then they're members <laughs> they're in they're right in. right <laughs> exactly yeah but no we ask them about their 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 profession of faith in christ we ask we ask them to define the gospel we ask yeah. them about um uh, their their Christian growth if they're married. We ask them about their relationship with their spouse. Do you ask them who they're going to vote for? We ask them who they're going <laughs> to vote for. I hear for. these rumors about your Facebook posts. If, if they if they watch MSNBC, they're automatically eliminated from church membership. Um, but uh, what else? Do, I mean, we ask them about um, uh, if they've ever been excommunicated from a church. Um, uh, yeah, so so those yeah. those kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. We do a similar thing. We typically, we'll ask a good question. I think to ask, uh, I've come come to the conclusion this is a really good question to ask over the years. Is what do people think Christ did on the cross? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. actually a very good question yeah. for finding out exactly what somebody's theology right. is. What was going on on yeah. the cross? Yeah. And it's surprising how some people who've sat under good teaching for many years can be. Can be sometimes be a bit shaky on that, right. but it's very helpful to elders to know that because then you're able to help mm-hmm. help these people. The other thing we do, we also run through the five vows to make sure that the person understands the vows right. they're going to take because these are solemn yep. vows taken before a congregation. To me, they're no less binding and no less solemn than ordination vows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also ask people, what do they see their where do they see their gifts lying, and how mm-hmm. would they like to serve? The church. What right. practical ministries uh, could they be involved in? Right. Those are good um, questions. Yep. So, so what if kind of what if you're concerned ask? about the way they answer a question um, doctrinally? Like yeah. you don't yeah. think they quite grasp right. it. What we've, do you do? We've delayed membership right. for some people. Mm-hmm. In we've done that in very order thing. to to mm-hmm. to teach them more fully yep. the, the way of. Church. I mean, specifically, we ask them things about the doctrines <clears throat> of grace to see because if they're if they have major heartburn over the doctrines of grace we explain to them they're going to get very frustrated routinely it'd be far better to be a doctrines of grace baptist you'd be far more comfortable in our church than if you were a maybe coming from a pcusa church and were a pedo baptist but weren't but weren't very fond of the doctrines of grace um so we we ask them specifically on that we ask them about baptism we ask them to explain what is the meaning of the lord's supper um, and that kind of thing. And, and let me just plug this also. One of the values of, of even though I'd be fine if, I mean, I, I like the idea of a weekend class if we can, if we can get it in. But one of the things that, that's nice about that 11-week course is that during that time, that group of people, along with the church members that are in there helping out, mm-hmm. they start to get to know each other. And so they come into the church 
if they haven't been attending very long, already with a group of people that now they're pretty familiar with. Right. They've been that into is the, nice. They've been in the home of one of our mm-hmm. one of our teaching elders. Not Todd's, but you not mine. No, no. <laughs> Eleven weeks of sensory deprivation of sweat lodge. <laughs> exactly. Bind people they together come out well. of there so shell shocked yeah. that they will do anything yeah. you tell them at that yeah. point. You've deprived yeah. them of food and loved one. It's great. Mm-hmm. Right, well, okay, let's, books. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, what are some good books that you would recommend for helping to, to teach in membership classes? Um, I, I have used, um, I, I don't know if we've used it in this class, but one book that I would highly recommend if you're looking to structure a membership class for a, for a PCA church is On Being Presbyterian by Sean Lucas. Mm-hmm. It's great. It covers all of the things that we've talked about yeah. and does it very well. I would recommend, I mean, on the Westminster Standards, uh, Roland S. Ward's little commentary on the Westminster okay. Confession of Faith yeah. is a good one. Uh, and I think if you're a Baptist, probably Nine Marks yes. is a good place to go to for resources on church membership. Yeah. And I also think you know, Presbyterians can benefit from reading the Nine Marks stuff. Absolutely. A lot of the stuff they apply to the local church, we'd want to go further. Right. It, it's not that we disagree with what they say necessarily mm-hmm. about the local churches. We'd want to add more. Right. So but there's the, great the kind of booklets there. they produce on church membership, and that, that's, that's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and then about also this nice a new little one. book here that I'm yeah, holding I, in my hands? It's, it's on the way in the mail for me, but I think Carl, being an influential man, a Presbytopia by I, Ken Golden. I read it in manuscript form, and oh. I picked up a copy at... Uh, in Colin the Book's place. In I have the graphic novel. I have a signed so there. copy by Carl. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, I didn't write it, but I did sign it for, for the bird. I got his version. Uh, <laughs> Presbytopia from Christian Focus Publications. Uh, I think I'm looking at that and thinking we will be considering that as our basic textbook okay. for giving out to new church nice members. Nice, short, concise chapters, it looks like. Yeah, I've got to consult with, with my associate good questions pastor, at the end of each. Yeah. Uh, it looks good to me. There's it like eight to good. ten questions at the end of yeah. each little short mm-hmm. doctrine. Terry Johnson has a very nice jacket commendation for it. Where he says that he's he's now using it for membership classes, and if Terry, and it, it doesn't it's good get enough any more, for Terry, it's good enough <laughs> for right, me. It now. doesn't get any more Presbyterian <laughs> yeah. than Terry Johnson. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, good. Well, we're really glad that you joined us for this discussion. We hope that it was helpful. Uh, next time, we ought to talk about the secret handshake, maybe. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, until we talk again next time, uh, please visit our website, uh, mortificationofspin.org. And we'll talk to you uh, the next time we do this. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen that exists to foster a reformed awakening in today's church. Since you are a podcast listener, we assume you like listening to great audio. This week we're offering an eight-message audio set called The Church, God's Kingdom on Earth. Christ is building His church. It is His church, not ours, and He reserves the right to build as He sees fit. Head over to mortificationofspin.org to enter to win a copy of this set. And be sure to come back next week to hear the gang take on this conversation. That's something else that Karen Swallow Pryor writes. She just says that um, we begin to cultivate this admiration for the fake until we start to prefer the imitation to the original. When I say 
people walking around doing Pokemon Go, I want to say, I want to grab them by the lapel, shake them and say, <laughs> you blithering idiots have <laughs> books to read. Have yeah. you read the whole of Thomas Hardy? Have you read everything that Joseph Conrad wrote? Have you read all of Shakespeare? Have you gazed at the stars? That and more next time. And be sure to check out mortificationofspin.org for links and articles by Carl, Todd, and Amy. And we'll see you at church on Sunday. Well, until we talk again next time, uh, please visit our website, uh, mortificationofspin.org, and we'll talk to you uh, the next time we do this. (laughs) Boy, that was a totally amateur end. Wow. Good grief. Man. Good grief. Uh, uh, Let me see. Uh, uh, We're glad you listened to our our podcast show. Uh, uh, Listen to it again. It's fun doing it. What am I supposed to say? We need uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You ever seen? Uh, we need yeah. to trade hey, him hey. in for Keith Oberman. I think <laughs> is this thing on? Hey, them bats are smart. They use radar. Uh.